listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsea's Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. I said, are you happy? What about this weather? Come on, I brought this weather straight from England. This is English weather. Beautiful weather. Chilly in the morning, chilly at night, warm during the day. I mean, you cannot get better than that. And I think it's year-round weather. Can we have a petition to God this week and say, God, can you just keep it here? Um, I don't think it's going to work, but at least let's just think we're going to do something about it. And um, But I love this kind of weather. I want to preach a message this morning that I think is going to be a real fun message. I think it's going to be a great message. It's going to change. Here's the title of my message. You ready for it? Wow. Just because I got to share my lunch, I got to help with a miracle. Let me say that one more time. Wow. Just because I got to share my lunch, I got to help with a miracle. This morning, I want to come to you today with a simple message. Believe me, this is not going to be something theologically that's going to knock you off your feet, that you're going to go, wow, I never realized perhaps that was in the Bible. This isn't something that's going to knock you down with great spiritual knowledge. And perhaps for some of you may say, man, that's all he's got. But I do believe this today, that if you will listen to what's going to be said in this message I believe that you will be challenged right where you're at. I like that statement, right where you're at, because we're all at different places in our lives. We're all in different needs and all in different circumstances and situations. We're all in different places right now. But I want God to speak to Edward in the same way that he's speaking to Katie, in the same way that he's speaking to Raymond, in the same way he's speaking to Danny, in the same way he's speaking to me. I want God to speak. And how many believes that God can speak right where you're at? You don't have to get somewhere to find God. You can find God right where you're at. In fact, let me rephrase that. You're not going to find God. God's already found you. You're just going to realize that he's there right where you're at. And in fact, many of you may already know most of my message if you read my blog this week, because I'm going to read out the same story that I shared in my blog. But here's what I want you to realize today. Here's the nuts and bolts of this whole message today. Wow, because I got to share my lunch. Here's the whole meaning of this message that I want you to grab a hold of, and that's this. It's important what you do. It's important what you do. Well, you know, Pastor P, I just work in a nursery. Kids puke over me. I mean, that's not really important. Pastor P, you know, people pass by me every day and they don't even notice the fact that I'm even alive. You see, we have convinced ourselves, perhaps, of the role that we have to play in life, that it is so small, that it's so unimportant, that we're not even needed or we're not even required to be maybe even alive. Can I tell you today, it's important what you do. I said it's important what you do. There may be times when you do go unnoticed. There may be times in the office when there's a conversation and it's like you're left out, that no one's even bringing you in and everyone's laughing and having a good time. And you're like, what's the problem? There's going to be times where you feel excluded. There's going to be times where you feel overlooked. There's going to be times where attitudes are going to be against you. There's going to be struggles in our lives. There's going to be times where the enemy specifically is going to come in and say, you're worthless, you're pointless, there is no hope, there is no future for you. I don't even know why you're here. We're going to go through all those times. And that's why I want to speak right where you're at. I don't know where you're at right now, but I'm telling you, wherever you're at right now, your life is important. It's important what you do. For some of you, it maybe is more important. For what reason? Because you can't stay where you're at. It's not a healthy state. 
You're not helping yourself and you're not helping other people. So therefore, it's important to do what? The right things that you can step up a little bit. And when I say step up, I don't mean be a more a higher and, and a person of position and authority. But we need to step up in our minds and realize everything that God has available for us. Come on, today you're the head and not the tail. Come on, that's got to start meaning something to you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm not a butt. Come on, right now. Come on, I'm glad. Why? Because I'm the head and not the tail. Man, I can't believe he said that in church. I didn't say it. You just said it. Come on. How many have a witness that someone just said that to you in church? But you see, we've got to get that. It's important that we understand that we're the head. Come on. It's important that we understand that the Bible says we're the lender and not the borrower. You may be bankrupt and broke and say, how can that be? I'll tell you how, because God's word says so. And it's important that we understand that even if we don't find ourselves right there right now, how are we going to get there? By believing God's word, by trusting in him. You see, it's important what you do. Important what you do. Oh, we love it when everyone notices us. We love it when our words have an audience. But let me give you this statement today. Here's why it's important what we do. And why we do it? Because it's the audience of one. It's the audience of one. If I could perhaps choose to build my life around anything, I think this is a good thing or a good something to build my life around. We can build our life around a career, which is great. We can build our life around education. We can build our life around our morals and standards. All great things. We can build our lives around the Word of God. Very, very, very important. But I believe it's also very important that I build my life around realizing this, that I was sent to this earth to function in the purpose of being the audience of Him. Pleasing to Him. Yes, I want to touch Joe. I want to touch Sally. I want to be there for Sue. But you know how I can do that? By realizing that before God, my life is the most important. And when I realize that everything I say and everything I do, he notices. That he's the one that is sitting in the stands watching my life. As I begin to realize that, I think my life will change. Because I won't keep doing those things that I know are not right anymore because, hold on, Jesus is watching me. You see, as you begin to build your life around the fact that it's the audience of one, it takes a lot of pressure off of us too because we try to please this and that and every other person. But ultimately in our lives, we need to please him. And I've discovered this. I may be only 38 years of age, but I've discovered this. If I live a life that's pleasing to him, my life is going to impact And change other people around. Because now my life is in right perspective. My life is in right order. Living, breathing, just being a life before God. You know why my life's important? Because I need to touch God. Touch God with my life. Look what it says in Ephesians 6 verse 5 through 8. Paul is talking to the Ephesians about no matter what... It's unto the Lord. Really, this whole passage, he's talking about, yes, the good things and all that. But he's trying to show them something in this passage particularly, that whatever you do, it's before the Lord. Read with me verse 5. It says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart. But notice as he says, as to Christ. What he's painting a picture of here is something that we struggle with today because we're not slaves, we're free. But what he's saying is where we work, whatever we do in our lives that we are under obligation to do, what does he say? We need to do it with all sincerity in our heart, with all fear and trembling, meaning in awe and respect of God and what he has called us to do. Why? Because we're not doing it to man, but we are doing it as unto Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service, not as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Verse 7, with good will, do service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. 
Let me sum up just what we've just read there. No matter what we say or do, it's unto the Lord. Did you get that? Okay, we've got to get that. It's the audience of one. My life is important. It's important what I do because no matter what I say or do, it is unto the Lord. And it's up to me to be pleasing to Him. But notice what else we've discovered in that passage also, and that is this. That when we go after the audience of one, God rewards His children. That's what it just said there. It just says that we will receive the same from the Lord, that we will receive a reward from God. Therefore, my life, what I do, is important because what? I do it before God. Therefore, no matter how small and insignificant I feel I am, my life still catches the audience of one. You see, today I want to inspire you. I want to cause you to realize today. I want a church of people that realizes what? That my life can count for something. That my life can count for something. I, I know some of you have been beaten down so much and, you, and you're feeling so wounded. and you feel, I'm telling you today, your life, when you live unto God as an audience of one, you don't worry about what other people think or say, but you just realize as I live before Him, you need to realize today your life can count and does count for something. We have too many people wasting their worth today. We have too many people who are not given from where they're at. Oh God, if I could just get to there, then I would. No, 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 no. You perhaps will never get to there if you can't start praising God where you're at right now. You've got to start giving from where you're at. Oh, when I get to this, I'll give. No, you've got to start giving from right where you have. You see, we can only give from what we've got. Would you agree for that? Come on, I can't give you a million dollars today. I'd love to, but I can't. You know why? Because I don't have a million dollars. I could probably give you a couple of thousand, but I can't give you a million dollars. But you know what happens? If I can give from where I've got, turn to your neighbor and say, never underestimate your got. Never underestimate what you have. Okay, we're going to read a story about that. But remember the widow too that had nothing really? But look what God says, she's given more than anything. Because we look at things in the natural, we've got to understand we serve a supernatural God. Do I hear an amen? We try and figure things out, as Sharon said, in our heads, or Mike, whoever it was this morning said, but we've got to start figuring it out in our hearts and start realizing this. You see, as we give from what we've got, God blesses us, and then what we've got increases and we have more to give. Do you notice that? The process of multiplication. Let me give you an example of that. There are people here in this church that, you know, that didn't start giving as much to God as they do right now. If you would have said to some people you would be writing a tithe check for $400 a month, you would have looked at them and said, crazy, that's more than I'm making right now a month. But notice what happens. They gave from what they have, from their got. And guess what happened? As they gave that $1, that $5, that 10 that was maybe a massive offering for them. And remember, it's not the size that God looks at. That's not what impresses Him. It's the fact of the obedience in the giving. The obedience in the giving. Not robbing God. Okay, we could preach a whole message on that, but we're not today. But what happens is as we give our one, five, ten dollar. I heard a story once about someone, all they had in their pocket was five dollars to give. And, and a preacher was standing out, taking up a special offer and was asking people come to the front. And they were asking for thousands. They were asking for big bucks. They wanted big money. So they said, hey, we need those who are going to come forward with a thousand. And maybe all you've got today is a hundred dollars. If that's all you can give, then you can come too. And you know what? One person was then walking to the front with their five dollars. And then when they heard a statement said, if all you've got is a hundred dollars today, then you can just give that too. You know what that person did? They put their money back in their pocket and sat down discouraged. Because the message they heard was, my gift of five dollars is not important. It's important. It's important. You know why it's important? Because if you start giving $5, God's going to bless you. 
And you're going to be able to give $25. And you're going to be able to give $50. And you're going to be able to give to the Lord. But you see, here's the thought. You've got to give from what you've got. Well, if only I could be, you're not there. How am I going to get there? Only by the blessing of God. Only by the reward of God. So what do I do? I've got to use what I have available to me right now and realize that can be the means of taking me to what God has in store for me. Because you see, when I sow a seed in the natural, if you put a seed in the ground, how many are glad that you don't just get one seed back? have a choice. I can eat the seed or I can plant. If I've just got one seed back and I'm sowing something, if I'm sowing something and waiting six months and only getting one back, how many knows I've wasted my time? Because I'm going to have to sow that again for what? One more. And I'm never prospering in my life. How many are glad that when you plant a seed in the ground that a harvest comes? You don't just get one back, but you get a multiplied number back. So what can you do? What you sowed comes back that it can sustain you. But what can you do? You can sow again. So another harvest that can sustain you. And then what happens? You can start giving to others. You can start blessing other people. That's a law of nature. But here's another law. Are you ready for it? No seed in the ground. No harvest. No seed in the ground. No harvest. If you're sitting there saying, oh, he's just talking about tithing today. No, I'm talking about your life is important. What you do is important. You may feel you're insignificant, but I'm trying to tell you today, put that insignificant seed that you may think, and I'm telling you it's not. But plant that in the ground and watch the harvest and the blessings that God will start using your life to do. You don't know the amount of people that you can touch in your day. You don't know how much a smile can change someone's life. Only a smile, you better believe it. Only a smile, as we worship the audience of one, can touch a life. You see, the sky's the limits of what would happen if we would realize we have something of worth to give. You're worth something today. You know how much you're worth? You're worth the price of a crucified Savior. Because He's such worth in just you. That if you were the only one alive, he would have still died for you. That's worth something. Come on, how many would agree? That's, I'm worth something today. I'm worth something. I've got to break through that mindset of when I get or I wish I could be. I've got to start giving from where I've got and what I've got and sowing a seed and realizing that it's important what I do. And as we read this story today, it may not be much. But one thing we've discovered is a little lunch put in the hands of Jesus produces a great miracle. I'm going to read from an incredible Bible today. It's called The Little Boy's Bible Storybook. Some of the best messages I've ever got is reading the Bible to my kids. Because sometimes the simplicity of God's Word, my God, we need to get back to the simplicity of God's Word. I want to encourage you, buy a kid's Bible and start reading it every day. You may laugh at me. I'm telling you right now, you're going to get things spoken to your life. There's going to be some things that you're going to look and say, man, it didn't really quite happen just as that. But it's not making it wrong. But what I'm saying is the simplicity of it. So I'm going to read um, from this Bible today. And I think and Tammy's got the words and you can follow along with me today. But it's taken from the story from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And it says this, Mum. Jesus is in town teaching about God. Can I go? Mum, please, can I go? The little boy bounced up and down around his mother. Well, I guess so, but let me make a lunch for you. Oh, Mum, I don't need a lunch, the boy whined, edging towards the door. Oh, right, you're starving every ten minutes, and you don't need a lunch. It will only take me five minutes. Wow, there's thousands of people here. The boy thought as he picked his way through the crowd, he found a spot close to the front and sat down to listen. No one said a word for hours as Jesus talked about God's love. Pretty soon, one of Jesus' helpers said, It's late, Master. Send the people home for dinner. If the boy were braver, he would have shouted, I don't want to go yet. Please, Jesus, keep teaching. He almost cheered out loud when Jesus says, no, you give them dinner. We don't have any food or money to buy it, the man argued. Sir, you can have my lunch if you want. The little boy held up his small bundle 
Jesus has helped us sneered at the little lunch. That won't do any good with all these people. The little boy hung his head, feeling silly for thinking his little lunch could help. But then a gentle hand slowly lifted the boy's chin. And Jesus smiled as he took the little lunch and he prayed. Thank you, God, for this food. Then he broke the bread and the fish into pieces and the disciples passed it out to the people. They kept coming back and Jesus kept giving them more and more. How did he do that? The boy wondered, munching on his second helping. Jesus has helped us walk through the crowd, picking up leftover food. There must be 5,000 people people here and everyone ate all they wanted and there were 12 full baskets or 12 baskets full of leftovers. The boy's skin pricked like someone was watching him. He looked around and saw the audience of one. He looked around and saw Jesus smiling at him. Wow. Just because I shared my lunch, I got to help with a miracle. Wow. Just because I got To give something in the natural that was so insignificant. But I gave from my God. And I gave what I had. Willingly. And because I gave my lunch. I got to be part. And an important part at that. I said an important part at that. I got to help. And be a part of a miracle. I want to just talk about this story for a few moments. To give you five key points of what I see in this story. But what I see needs to be in every one of our stories. Where we're at. Right where we're at. Point number one. Preparation. As we just read, the little boy wanted to go to Jesus. He was ready. He was running out the door. He's ready. Mom, I'm off. I'm see you. I'm like, oh, I'm off. He's ready to follow Jesus. He's not thinking about what's going to happen down the line. He just wants to go and see Jesus. He's just excited about it. He doesn't think about it could rain. He doesn't think about the fact he's going to get hungry. He doesn't think, come on, we know what it's like to be a child, to have children. They just don't think sometimes because the only thought that they have is, I want to be with Jesus. But how important was it for him being prepared? How important was his preparation to the outcome of the story? Very important. People would have been hungry. There would have been a riot. There would have been complaining. People would have been mad. They would have been hungry. People aren't nice when they're hungry. Come on now. Don't be holy me in church. People don't get nice when they're hungry. Huh? Kelly would tell you this, I'm mean when I'm tired and I'm hungry. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? Not that she's ever mean. Don't tell her that Philip said you were mean because I'll be in trouble. So there you go. But it was vital to the story, his preparation. Perhaps we don't see the importance of taking a lunch, but mum did. I think we all need to say thanks, mum. Can you just say thanks, mum? Thanks, mum. You know, I know Mother's Day was last Sunday and we honoured our mothers and had a great service. Miss D and the crew did us proud last Sunday. I think that was a phenomenal day. And thank God for mums. And we're not late. We are eternally grateful. I'm eternally grateful for my mum. I mean, every day I thank God for mum. Because without her, man, my life would have been a screwed up mess. Do I hear an amen? We're forever indebted. But our lives need to have the necessary preparation. We don't know many times what we're going to face. When we leave, when Kelly and I, we were talking about this last night, driving back from rain. When we woke up yesterday morning, we never suspected her mother was going to die that day. We weren't prepared for it that day. 
When you wake up in the morning, there are things. You don't wake up and say, I'm going to have a car wreck today. You don't wake up and say, I hope my boss fires me today. You don't wake up expecting things like that to happen. I mean, we didn't wake up a few weeks ago and say, man, wouldn't it be great if the Mississippi River floods and all this kind of... I mean, we didn't expect those things, but things come into our days. Do I have a witness in the house? But you see, that's why it's important that we prepare for our day. That's important why we lay a foundation for the day. I know in my life I could have avoided many hardships if I would have just stopped for a moment and prepared. Just stopped for a moment and just engaged the brain. And just thought things through. Maybe impulsive buying or or just things like that. If I'd have just stopped and done the necessary preparation, it would have avoided me from a lot of heartache and pain. My mum used to say this all the time to me, Philip, you need to stop running headfirst. My personality is one of those kind of people, I think I'm red or whatever in the personality things. I'm the kind of person who jumps in the pool, doesn't check, number one, how cold the water is or how warm it is. And number two, I don't even check if there's water in the pool. I'm jumping in. Okay? Now, if you're someone like Chip and you're green personality, you're you're kind of rationalizing everything. You're figuring out how hot it is and how cold it is. And you're telling yourself it's stupid before you even go and do it. We think afterwards when you hit the water and it's freezing, that was stupid. (laughs) Or when you crash in the bottom, there was no water. I should have checked. Okay, different personalities. But guess what? Guess what? I think we need to do better at preparing for our day. You know, the best ways that we can prepare our lives is to pray. God, I just give you this day. It doesn't have to be for two hours, but just to commit God into our day, to read the Word. I I very seldom ever leave the house in the morning without reading the Bible. I have a daily routine every day where I read the Bible. I read two or three chapters as I go through from Genesis all the way through. And then I read a Psalms and I read a Proverbs every day. I read five chapters at least every day. That's just a daily routine. But what is that? That's preparation for the day. It's preparing me. It's helping me. You know how else I can prepare myself for my day is to seek godly advice. To be around people who are wise. To surround myself with the right people. Come on, say with me, preparation. And why is preparation so important? Because it's preparation for my way. That little boy was key if he had not prepared. And it was his mother who prepared for him. Thanks. You know, I remember my mum preparing for me as a kid and I didn't really like it. When I went everywhere, I had the biggest suitcase. When I went everywhere, I had the biggest lunchbox. Where I went everywhere, I had two coats if it only required one. Come on, is anyone like that? And it wasn't like my mum was this big worry wart, but my mum would say to me this. You know, I'm leaving in the morning. I'm an eight-year-old kid. We're going on a field trip for the day. The sun is shining. I don't even consider the fact that by afternoon it could be cold and wet. And if you live in England, you've got to be prepared for that because it can happen really quick. In fact, if it's sunny, you're shocked. Um, no, it's a lot better than that. But you see, mum would say, hold on, Philip, you need to grab a jacket. I don't need a jacket. Can I tell you how many times, as much as I hated to do it, I would put that jacket on as it started getting cold and say under my breath, thanks, mum. But one thing I discovered too, mum's preparation didn't often just bless me. Mum's preparation often blessed other people. Oh, you want, I've got an extra sweatshirt you can have too. Oh, you need another sandwich? Got one of those. Got another Kit Kat? Got, yep, got it taken care of. Here you go. Help yourself. You know, you can be laughed at when you go in there with all the stuff and the kids laugh and say, what's your deal? Well, I'm just prepared. Prepared for what? But later on in the day, they're thanking you as that preparation is taken care of. You know, that extra pair of underwear when you went away, how many knows they were always needed? Come on, let's be honest in the house. Thank God for mum. Those, those things that we look back and we can laugh now and, you know, too much extra stuff. And again, people would laugh at me. But my mum would say these words, just in case. I wish more than anything that we would have some parents that once again would look at their kids and do some more just in casing. 
just to prepare them a little bit more, that whatever they're going through in life, that they're preparing them, whether it's an extra coat because it could be cold or an extra um, Kit Kat or something in their lunchbox. But what about the fact of praying with them, reading the Bible, teaching them, bringing them up in the house of God, doing what? Preparation for their journey. How do we know this? Because Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, as parents, it's our responsibility to train them up. Look what New Living Translation says. It says, teach your children to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain on it. So preparation is important. Parents, prepare with your kids for their futures, for their lives. Teach us how to prepare. But we also need to prepare for ourselves. Come on, it's time to grow up too. And realize that I need to start making preparation for my life. I need to start having responsibility and preparing. And this is vitally important because we don't need to know the needs that we may encounter throughout the day. It may just be a little lunch, five loaves and two fishes. But that little preparation, five minutes it took just to get on your knees and say, God bless my day. That five minutes could change the whole outcome of that entire day. And not only the outcome of your life, but the outcome of others too. So are you prepared? Come on, I mean really, when you step out of your house in the morning, are you prepared? Are you preparing yourself? Thank God for church on Sunday, but Sunday's not preparation for the rest of the week. Come on, church is where you come in and sharpen your swords and you, and you beat the dints out of your armor. But you know, if you don't, you know, you've got to go out to a fight. There's a fight. We've got to daily prepare ourselves to live before God. So the first key point is we've got to prepare. Second key point is we've got to hang in there. Hang in there. What would the story say? Come on, Jesus, it's getting late. The people are hungry. People are getting tired. Send them home. That's what one of the disciples suggested. There's a lot of people out there that want to quit before closing time. There's a lot of people out there, ourselves included many times, we want to quit and go home before closing time. When circumstances get tough, when struggles arise, when someone says a harsh word, how dare they? Or when someone doesn't say a word as they ignore us. Sometimes life perhaps has more reasons why we should quit then why we should keep on going. But remember this, the miracle hasn't happened yet. Come on, in this story, the miracle hasn't happened. If he quits and goes home, the miracle's over. There's no hope of a miracle. So you can look and say, but this is against me, that's against me, the circumstances. I'm telling you right now, you've got to hang in there. I said, you've got to hang in there. If the miracle hasn't happened yet, it's never going to. If you take yourself out of the equation, because it's you that's going to bring about a miracle into your world. As you give your life to God. Remember the seed in the ground that we talked about earlier? It's exciting to plant a seed. I remember as kids in class, we all had these seeds and they're going to grow. And we're all excited and we're planting the seeds and life is great. And we're all excited about it till next day there's nothing happening. So we're excited for the next day and nothing's still happening. And by the time something happens, our excitement level is what? Almost non-existent. Because you know what we want them to do? We want them to stick our fingers in the dirt and dig it out because nothing's happening. Where's my seed? What's going on? We've got to hang in there. We may not see anything happening. There are going to be times when you think nothing's happening. There's going to even be times where you think that God is not even hearing you. I've got to say that one more time because I don't think you heard me. There's going to be sometimes, even the Bible says, when the heaven's like brass. Meaning what? Like your prayers are bouncing off, that they're not getting through. There's going to be times when things appear that nothing is taking place. But it's during those times that here's the best ability that we need in our life. And you know what the ability we need? We need stick ability. We need stick ability. I don't know if there is a word. There is now. We need stick ability. Turn to your neighbor, stickability. Look at him and say, I still can't believe you said but to me earlier either. But we need stickability in our life to hang in there. I know we get tired. You'll be surprised to know Pastor P gets tired too. I get weary and I get discouraged. 
Life has its way of dragging us down, sucking the very life out of us. But we can't quit and go home. Come on, I've come to tell you today, there's more in you than perhaps you realize. You just need to push a little harder. Come on, there's more inside of you. I can't go one more. And someone's there at the gym with you saying, one more? You've got three more inside of you. And you think, I can't even go one more. But someone starts going, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. And you know what? You may struggle and shake for that last one. But there's more inside of you that you give yourself. I've come to tell you today, your life is important. Give from where you've got because you've got more in you. I've got a miracle inside of me. Come on, I've got a miracle inside of me. Come on, say that today. I've got a miracle inside of me. It's a miracle waiting to be birthed from my life. There's a soul I'm going to touch, but it's not going to stop at that soul. There's other people. There's miracles all around me. I'm going to lay hands on people. I'm going to see them healed. I may not be the pastor. I may not be the leader. But there's more in me than I realize. Can't quit. Let me talk to the parents again. Your kids are watching how you respond to adversity. They're watching to see how you handle when things don't go right. And what they're going to witness in you is probably the response that they're going to take on for their lives. There's a saying out there that what walks in the Father runs in the children. A lot of the times we think of that in the negative sense. The bad things are going to be multiplied in the children. But you know it works both ways. For the good and the bad. If they see you responding right and not quitting and not giving up on church and not giving up on God. But up in that tithe check. Up in your faithfulness to the house. Praying more. Seeking God. Preparing more. You know what they're going to do in their life? When trouble comes, they're going to remember what mom and dad did. They're going to remember what happens. They're going to remember their response. Amazes me how many people run from the house when they're in trouble instead of running to the house. All I ever saw with my family was when things happened, they ran to the house. They ran to the place where they could find the help and the strength. They ran. If they were sick, they ran to the house of God. If they were broken and distraught, they ran to the house of God. Why? Because they understood scriptures like Proverbs 18 verse 1. He who isolates himself, he rages against all sound wisdom because the enemy wants to take you out of that place where you can grow and be taught stickability. Here's a little boy that sat for hours. That's a miracle in itself. Come on, here's a little boy who sat for hours. That's a miracle in itself. But he still wants more. He still wants more. Look what it says in Psalms 42, verse 1. It says, As the deer pants or longs for the water brooks, so pants my soul for God. My soul thirsts for God. When can we say the same from our lives? At least when God is concerned. When can we say, as far as what God is concerned, that there's been a longing in our lives? Because there's a longing for so many other things. Oh, if only I could have some bluebell ice cream. Oh, if only I could just, I can't wait till that new movie comes out. I can't wait till those new shoes come out. Oh, I can't wait. Have you seen that purse? I mean, that is incredible. I can't wait to payday. Isn't it amazing how we long for all these things, which are not wrong. But it's wrong when we're not having the same yearning for God and the same longing for God. I've got to move on quickly. Say quickly, Pastor. Number three. So preparation, hanging in there. Number three, be willing to give. Be willing to give. You see, we've got to be willing to give in our lives. In this story, you need to realize something. He was hungry too. That little boy was hungry too. It wasn't just everyone else that was hungry and he wasn't. I mean, his mum said he was starving every 10 minutes. He was hungry. He was willing to give something up with the possible fact that he was going to have to remain the way he was. You see... He could have easily met his need, but at the expense of other people's. I wonder how many times we're so selfish and we just meet our need. 
We just meet our need. What about me? You hear it all the time in relationships. Well, what about me? What about me? What about me? So selfish. What about me? What about my feelings? What about me? Don't I count? What about me? The Bible says as you give, you receive. Come on. As you give. So what about me? Give. What about me receiving love? What is love? Read it, First Corinthians 13. It doesn't talk about me, me, me. It talks about giving. It's all out of me. Come on, it's out of me. But when it's given out of me, it can be poured back into me. That little boy learned a very valuable lesson that day. That in touching others, he was provided for too. What about me? I can't give that person $30. If I give them $30, I won't be able to buy Starbucks for the rest of the month. Pretty selfish, huh? Go to the store and buy yourself a box of community coffee and cook you up a coffee before you leave and you're going to save yourself 30 bucks a month. Cook you up a coffee. I mean, you can tell I cook coffee, can't you? <laughs> hate coffee. But you know what? It's amazing. We get so thinking, well, what about my needs that we fail to realize that there's greater needs than just what we have? I can live without a coffee every day. Just give me 10 minutes just to come to myself. But I can live without that. But someone can't live without electricity. You see, we can get so self-centered. Someone said, yeah, you can. Okay, you try to live with no AC in Louisiana for a while. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Your lights go off. How many times when your electricity's off, you just walk in a bedroom and you still flip the switch anyway? You just, I mean, and then you go to go and get, and you're like, oh, man. And then you think, well, the electricity's off, duh. And then you go into the room. You're like, I'm going to just go and watch TV. And then you're like, ah. I mean, it gets you. Even though he realized what he had wasn't enough to make a difference, it didn't stop him from giving it anyway. He still gave. What a testimony to be known by that you still gave. Wouldn't that be an incredible testimony? Someone said, what about Danny? He still gave. What about Raymond? He still gave. What about Miss D? She still gave. She didn't have much, but she still gave anyway. Here was a little boy that was willing to sacrifice for the well-being of others. Can I tell you that at times in the Christian life, it will be a life of sacrifice? There'll be inconvenience at times. You may be inconvenienced at times for the sake of the gospel. You may have to go out of your way to pick someone up for church. You may have to go out of your way and miss a movie because someone on the way to the movie is crying and they need you. You may be inconvenienced. There may be sacrifice and things in your life. But remember this. The miracle still hasn't happened yet. Come on. It's getting ready to. But it still hasn't happened yet. I try to live a life where daily I I ask for an opportunity. I ask daily for God to give me an opportunity that I can sow into someone else's life. Whether I'm driving through McDonald's, getting oatmeal in the morning. Pretty good if you like that oatmeal. Anyone like that oatmeal in the morning? If you tried it, McGriddles are off the scale too. I mean, but, but I need to get rid of the McGriddles. Anyway, but here's the deal. But wherever I go, if I'm going through a McDonald's drive-thru, I make sure that that person will never forget me. And it's not because I'm certainly rude and obnoxious. Hey, how's your day? You doing good? I've got something that a lot of you don't have, and I thank God for it. Because of my accent, it gives me conversation many times with a lot of people. A lot of people say, man, I love, man, your voice is incredible. I love you. I love how you speak. So a lot of the times I'll tell them, well, great, come and hear me every Sunday morning. And if you can't come and hear me, then listen on the internet, and we've got all the messages. But you know what? I try to make sure because I, I throughout my day, I'm asking God to put me in an opportunity where I could touch someone. It could be that person at McDonald's. It could be the person at the gas pump, pumping gas beside me. It could be the person in the cubicle where I work. It could be the person I pass in the hall. It could be the person who's sitting outside of my office. It could be my boss. It could be all these situations. I ask God for divine opportunities and appointments. But listen to this. Don't look so much for them that you miss all the other opportunities around you. 
Don't look so much just for them that you miss the other opportunity. Because, God, I'm going to speak to someone today. But you know what? Yes, maybe I'm going to be speaking to someone today. But how many other people have opportunities around me that I can impact to? Here's the thought I want you to live by, and that is this. Think how many people we can touch by accident than just by purpose. Thank God for the purpose touched. We need those. But think how many people we can touch by accident. We're perhaps talking to Danny and he needs something, but there's three people listening that maybe need it more than him. I'm touching them by accident. When 5,000 people were fed in this story, there was a lot of people there who hated Jesus. There was religious leaders that couldn't stand Jesus. They were already planning how they could destroy him and kill him. But as he reached out, people were touched who did not want to be touched. They, were, they ate just as much as the people who wanted to be touched. They were touched by accident. His purpose was for the lost. But other people were touched by accident too. Our lives can make a difference. Just a simple smile can bring hope, a word of encouragement, a kind gesture, a simple email, a call, a card. As children of God, we almost must be looking of ways that we can give. Why? Because when you give, it's taken out of your hands and placed into His. It's placed into the hands of a miracle worker. Number four, get ready for a harvest. As I prepare my life, as I hang in there and say I'm not going to quit and give up, as I'm willing to give and keep giving, guess what? Get ready to receive. God will reward. But but here's the deal. You can't just jump on the train at this stop. I'm just going to jump in on the reward part. That's the good part. We'll just jump into it like that. I'll just take a... Listen, you can't have the reward without the preparation. Come on, you've got to first have the preparation. You've got to have the stickability. And you've got to be willing to give. Then comes the harvest. Come on, say with me. Then comes. You can't just jump in at the harvest part and think everything's great. Let me read of a part of the story again. It says this. The little boy hung his head. Feeling silly for thinking his little lunch could help. Then a gentle hand slowly lifted his chin. And Jesus smiled as he took the little lunch and he prayed. And he said, thank God for this food. His little in the hands of God not only just met the need, but the story says there were 12 baskets of leftovers. I have a sneaking suspicion that that little boy that day went home with a basket. And not only was there a miracle that day in feeding the multitude, there was a miracle that Jesus was able to feed his home, the little boy's family, for perhaps a week, a month, with what was left over. What God can do with your life, yes, your life, can be limitless. We may never know all those we touch. But if we don't touch them, they will never know. Wow, just because I shared my lunch, I got to help with a miracle. But that's not the end of the story. As I close, here's point number five. Next. 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 The preparation, hanging in there, willing to give, receiving the harvest. But there's always another day. There's a next. There's another opportunity that's waiting. There's another person to touch. There's another life to save. Come on, there's more people to go out and win for God. Because of what had just happened in his life, his life would never be the same. From that day forward, that little boy, I believe, looked for every opportunity to give. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the story at school on Monday morning? Not going to believe what happened this weekend. I gave my lunch to this guy. I mean, he's a cool guy. Jesus, have you ever heard of him? It's awesome. Gave him a lunch. Guess what? Fed 5,000 people. Yeah, right. No, 5,000 people. I'm telling you, 5,000 people. See, in our class, that's like 20 kids. That's like a million times times that. I mean, you should have seen all these people. You've never seen so many people. And my, no, I'm, I'm telling you right now. You know what that little boy, anytime there was something or an opportunity, do you know who was the first one to say, hey, here, you can have it? It was that little boy. Why? Because he knew what he gave produced a miracle. So now he's looking for other opportunities to see other miracles taking place. You see, this is why we've got to get it inside of us because we've got to continually sow. 
We've got to look for opportunities. He left with a testimony of how God just used a little sack lunch and from his story, he gave others hope too. You know what happened in that classroom? That little boy who said, hey, if it can happen for Johnny, it can happen for me. And what did he do? He looked for opportunities to give. It's contagious. Come on, I said it's contagious. It's contagious. What's contagious? What I've got. Right where you're at. The importance of where you're at right now. Don't tell me you haven't got what it takes. Don't tell me you don't have the potential to provide for a miracle. We all do. It just has to be placed in his hands. The audience of one. We've just got to be willing to be used. We've got to be willing to give the little that we have and give it to God. And theoretically or really accurately, the boys' lunch that day didn't feed 5,000 people. That boys' lunch fed probably about 20,000 people. Because in the Bible, they only list men when they do numbers. So pretty much, if you want to figure it out, probably most of those men were married. And most of them had two, three kids. Probably at least fifteen to 20,000 people were touched that day from a little boy's lunch. Look around you today. From the back to the front, the left to right. You know what I see? I see the potential to touch our city for Jesus Christ. Because if my lunch can impact, say, five, ten thousand people, Danny's lunch can do another ten. Chip, your lunch can do another ten. Nina's another ten. Jessica, Stephen, another twenty. Sherry, another ten. Angela, another ten. Nancy, Dan, another twenty. Andrew and Aloha, another twenty. Miss Ginny, another ten. Andrew, Mr. Haas, another 20. What's happening? We've got the potential here to see an absolute miracle take place. How? Through me. Being willing to realize that what I do is important. Through me, realizing what? That what I have may not be much. But just because I got to share my lunch. I got to be part of a miracle. You see, here's the story today. The miracle is waiting on you. The miracle. What do you need today? The miracle's waiting on you. But if only I get the miracle's waiting on you. The miracle. Well, I wish this person would come to church and I wish they were all that he's empty. Listen, the miracle is waiting on you. Are you willing to share your lunch? And give it to Jesus. Stand to your feet with me this morning. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.